0: I thought maybe I'd start. Uh, just reading this. It, it was actually sent out in one of our morning um, narrow path things that Jesse sends out in the morning. It's a it's an excerpt from Samuel Fothergill. Some of you maybe have read um, Samuel Fothergill's um, life and letters. I think is what we called it on his oh. in our website. But he he. He I'm tempted just to start talking about him. He was an amazing uh, man, and uh, I've read his his journal more than once with great um, appreciation for him. And I think I cried at the end. So, but uh, this is this is something he says. He says many have known the arising of the morning star in their hearts, and by the brightness thereof have been convinced and in a degree led into obedience and conformity to it. Yet for lack of steady following on from, from one degree of faith and obedience to another, they have been darkened in their minds and become weak in their steps. And though the glimpses of that land of liberty in time past have been so precious that they have accounted all thing, all other things as but draws, and of no value in comparison with it, Still they have turned, by some crooked bypath back to Egyptian bondage. A mere retaining in remembrance the joys of their first espousal to Christ and what was then done for them has prevailed in many as their principal riches, and hereby the daily sacrifice has been neglected, the feeling after living virtue has been stifled, and true religion has gradually left the heart. Then the soul, the poor soul, contents itself with notions and conclusions which it once saw in the light of life, without waiting for daily renewings, and thus the form is substituted instead of power. The head is enriched with knowledge, but alas, the soul and spirit have returned, or are returning, to their former master, who regains life and strength, and under a new form leads them into alienation from God. And um, so I, I, I thought about that when I got it. I think it was maybe the beginning of this week. Um, kind of stuck stuck in my heart as, uh, like Jared mentioned yesterday, we we talked about maybe just trying to um, share a little bit about what we are here or what we're trying to be, what we're trying to do um, partly for people that are online or, or visiting us that that aren't very familiar with who we are partly as Jared said because we, we spend a lot of time waiting on the Lord and sometimes there's not a whole lot said and people can come and come and go sometimes and not maybe even know really what what we're about and so we we decided to to start these um, discussion times with a little bit of sharing uh, and and I think Jared explained all that yesterday. And that there was a couple of people I think that weren't here, so uh, we decided to to do that this time. And as I was thinking about what maybe I could share uh, about about that particular subject, um, this this little section from Samuel Fothergill kind of stuck in my head as being indicative of how do I say it of. What I don't want to happen, I guess, and what, um, what I don't want to be. I don't, I don't want to be another, I don't want to be another Christian that had a precious time of openings and glimpsed the promised land and got excited and thought I would sell everything to buy the pearl and then, uh, have years go by um where my heart in one way or another found these little uh, bypasses he says here uh that that take me back to to Egypt and and no one the thing is no one ever says that they're doing that that's the that's the scary thing in fact even the egyptians I'm sorry. The, the Israelites that came out of Egypt didn't say they were doing that. They said Moses was taking them the wrong way. They said God isn't on your side; he's on our side. They said you're not the only high priest, Aaron. We're high priests too. And and or they said this is the God that brought you out of Egypt. While well, they made a golden calf, they never said I'm going back to Egypt to defy the the, the God of uh, that brought us out. Or I'm I'm. I'm giving up on on God or I'm I'm going to rebel They didn't declare rebellion as their motive is my point. They they just declared that they were going to follow the evil dictates of their own hearts. And I've always had uh, those of you who know me I, I I kind of have one um one one principal thing that I'm I'm afraid of and that's regret. I'm afraid of not using the time and and the and the place that God has given me um, to for the purpose that He's given it to me, I often think of um, uh, Acts chapter seventeen. I think it's somewhere around verse twenty six. Paul says, "From one man you made every man and woman that dwells on the face of, of the earth, and you've." Um, oh, I'm not quoting it well. Let me just read it here. He says, he made from one man, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. And then he says this, this like purpose statement in verse 27, that they would seek God if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said. And uh, anyway, I, I'm already off on a rabbit trail, but I, I, uh, I think part of part of what defines a little bit about who we are here or what we want is that same desire in in a lot of hearts to not. Uh, to not use time here for something other than what God's given it to us for, so, to to not waste life in a way that's not, uh, as it says, seeking after God, groping after him and finding him, not, uh, not coming to the end and standing before him empty-handed. There's there's all these scriptures in the old testament where at the end of the feasts where they're supposed to stand before god with the increase of what he's given them uh stand before him in tabernacles full of full of fruit and vegetables and and um, all kinds of crops that have that have grown in the course of that year he he warns them let no man stand before me empty-handed and that always man that always uh I don't know, for some reason that's always just really reached my heart, and um, I think I see what a little bit of what he meant. He wasn't really caring much about um, crops, but he was caring a whole lot about us standing before him without having an increase of what he has given us. And that thing that he's given us is is his spirit, his life, his grace, Uh, and man is a Man is a vessel, man is a land. Um, man is a garden, man is a field in which that life or kingdom of of God in Christ has the potential and the ability to to grow to to increase and to be glorified and to stand to stand before him um, with my hands empty or to stand before him like the guy in the parable without the wedding um, that's another one that really gets me every time is the 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 uh the guy at the wedding feast or the master comes and says, how'd you get in here? And he, and it says, and he was speechless. And that's, that, that kind of sums up what I don't, I don't want (laughs) for my life right there. Uh, And, and kind of everything over the, over the years, as that's become more and more of a reality or a, um, how how easy it is to do that, how easy it is to have um, 2 million people or 600,000 males leave Egypt, um, not counting women and children, and have two, um, Joshua and Caleb, that seem to have a heart to pass over into God's purpose. That Those kind of stories um, always kind of slap me and wake me up along the journey. Micaiah is another one. I named my uh, son after this. Uh, story where the 400 prophets of, of, not of Baal, prophets of Jehovah stand up and prophesy falsely that God has peace with a wicked king and um, that he will have, give him victory. And then Micaiah um, is the one guy that um, says the truth and gets slapped for it. And, and, um, So anyway, I I read that I've read that excerpt from Samuel Fothergill because I I feel like in a nut, in a nutshell it says what I don't want for any of us here. Not I don't want it for anyone in the whole world. I don't I don't want it's not just me and it's not just you. It's it's everyone. I don't want anybody to begin to experience the Lord and then have something happen with their time and their place that keeps that that the time goes on and they keep building their their, uh, their own stuff. And then, and yet at the end, uh, we stand before the Lord with, with empty hands. And, and that's like, that's a, that's a tragedy that I want no human being to experience. And yet I know it's a, it's a tragedy that, uh, is extremely common. And there's so, like Jared was saying yesterday, there's so many warnings about that throughout scripture. There's so many, Strong I mean there couldn't be jesus couldn't have said stronger things um, about that possibility many will say to me in that day lord didn't you teach in our streets and didn't we do this and and didn't we even do things in your name and powerful things in your name and and uh, and jesus basically said where's the where's the increase of the seed I gave you i don't know i don't recognize the the fruits that are dangling off your branches. I don't know them. They're not mine. And when I, when I first, um, when I first started to experience this, the spirit of God, I, I, I experienced something. I remember that it was, it was real. And, it, and the thing that really struck me when I because I had talked about the spirit of God, and I had uh, gone to church as a young person, my, my on and off my whole life, I think, and I had been involved in whatever. But when I first, when I first, in a, in a time of great weakness and desperation, began to cry out to God and beg Him to show me if He was even real, and I began to, um, I began to experience my first—I don't know the right word my first like the, it felt like it felt like a breeze from another planet is what it felt like it felt like a. it felt like it, it wasn't just me happier it wasn't just me forgiven it wasn't just me with new beliefs or me with new friends or me with a new Christian community it was something it was a living spirit and it was it was not me that's the thing that 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 I loved about it is that it it wasn't me doing something different or believing something different it was him and, um, and I felt him to be life, and I felt him to be power, and I felt him to be light. I, I started to feel that apart from his life, there was no life, and that what I'd called life was not life. And I, I started to understand why Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead, or unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourself. Because that, that breeze of life that, that, that passed through my heart was, was like the first time I'd ever felt life. And the light uh, that comes from that, the light that comes from that life, as John 1 says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. When that light began to shine, I knew it wasn't me, it wasn't just me, my my understanding or, or greater information. It was a, it was a, it was a light that I'd never seen before. It was a, it was a light that, that made everything else very clearly feel like darkness. And, 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 um, and all of that, all of that felt so right and so real. And, and the best thing about it, like I said, was that it wasn't me. I had, I had found me. I had f- felt me. I had hated me. I'd loved me. I'd done all kinds of things with me, but I, but when when the Lord appeared uh or when to, to use some of the analogies that were shared yesterday, when that seed of the mustard seed appeared in the garden, when the acorn popped into the <laughs> into the garden or 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 when I found a talent uh, or a mina in my pocket or where um I found the lost coin in my own house, or where there was a pinch leaven that was wanting to spread in, in three measures of, of dough. When I, found, when I began to found it, the thing that um, made me so incredibly, I don't know why I'm emotional, <laughs> excuse me, um, I did not even said anything yet. Um, the thing that really just changed everything was that it wasn't me and it was, it was someone else, it was someone so much better. But um, I, I then, in the excitement of that moment, I, I kind of did what Samuel Fothergill uh, said here. I began to run. I, I felt something real. I, I, t- I tasted um, <clears throat> something alive. And I, I'd seen with a new light, but I, but I started to run. And I started to run ahead of him and lose sight of him. Now, of course, I didn't understand that I was doing that. I didn't understand that... Um, that my mind was starting to get dark and that I was weakening in my steps and I was um, not following on from one degree of faith and obedience to another like he says I didn't I never would have said that I never would have thought that I didn't think that but I ran, for instance I ran into learning but without his spirit and that's so easy to do I just ran into there was so much I didn't understand and I just started to learn stuff but I didn't learn. I wasn't taught by His Spirit. I didn't know. I, I ran ahead of that anointing that is in all men, all men, and that that can teach us all things. It makes it so we don't have need of a of a teacher. I, I ran into um, serving God, but without His Spirit. I didn't. I ran ahead of that that thing that had visited me, that life that had visited me and awakened me and helped me, and, and there I was serving God without His Spirit, and I, I ran into worship. Meeting, worship um leading and i worshiped god without his spirit and truth i i ran into it and and i did that and some of you know you know yesterday we were talking a little bit about um doing outward things before inward things i i did i i am a great example of that i and 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 not to throw you under the bus but jess and i both did that um we we tried to do a bunch of things, uh, for the Lord without knowing and feeling and finding his, his spirit in us. And we did homeless shelters and drug addict Bible studies and preached in jail and led worship all night long and stuff like that, um, for years. And the longer, the longer I did that, um, the more I felt and found, which was at that time, like a, maybe like seven years, um, I felt and found that he wasn't there. That's what I felt. I felt that he, that I, some I that I had somehow lost him, and that I'd lost my guide. <clears throat> and, and it kind of reminds me of what Jerry was saying yesterday too, about how um, just like all those low here and low there's that, and Jesus is trying to tell them you know, the kingdom of God is inside of you. And that's where I that's where I started to feel it. Um, that's where it visited me. That's where I felt the, the mustard seed. That's where I felt a little bit of leaven wanting to spread. That's where that's where I, I I found something real, but I but I ran. Um not trying to run away from it. Gotta get under control here. Sorry. Um but I but I uh, thanks. It's always embarrassing when someone brings you a box of tissues um <clears throat> yeah so that's something for the ladies meetings but <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sorry just a, an embarrassed attack yeah so jesus was telling them that that, that there's this low here and this low there and and and, and where you know everyone's looking around and they're looking around for the kingdom of god you know, at that time, maybe to be some kind of a, a an uprising to to stop Roman conquest over the Jews or dominion, and, and 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 we do the same in so many different ways. Our hearts are outward, our plans are outward, our ministries are outward, and and uh, and we just run. And I just started to I started to find and to feel that I I somehow had. Um, I, I mean, I can see this better in retrospect. I, I look back and I see, I some somewhere along the line, I left him. And and and, and I, I I am uh, thinking about what to share today. I. That seems to be the thing that, um, I want to say about what we are or what we're trying to be. I, if I had to. If I had to maybe say, it, and at least right now today, if I had to say it in, in one way, I'd, I'd say um, that I I want to. I think you guys want the ones who I know, and and I want to to stay with them, and whatever that means. Because that is super easy to say. As a, and as I'm gonna say in a few minutes here, I read a couple of verses. It's really easy to say. That we want to stick with him. And, and people do that all the time. It's, it's easy to, it's to quote those verses. Apart from him, I can do nothing. I've known that verse uh, I know that verse 30-some years before I started to feel that nothingness apart from him, I'd say. It's, it's easy to talk about and quote. The whole Bible is full of things about how we need to walk in the Spirit. We need to live in the spirit. We shouldn't walk without the spirit. We shouldn't live without the spirit. We need to pray uh, in the spirit at all times, it says. We need to worship in spirit and truth. We need to love in the spirit and by the spirit. I mean, those, those verses are, where, where, flip, flip to a page, you're going to find one. But you can really, you can really um, tell how much you believe those things that we quote all the time by how by what you're willing to to do and to try and to be apart from that spirit. And for me that was a lot. That was a, that was a whole lot. And I didn't I didn't know that. I just, I just I just I see it now. I see I see my runnings and my willings in the flesh. So I wanted to maybe just um look at Galatians uh chapter three. And just read a verse that probably everybody has, has read and just maybe just throw it out there for us to reconsider it now. Um, and think about it, um, not not as people who already know what it means and already know it doesn't apply to us, but think about it as um, as, as a possible situation that's going on right now in our hearts. All right. I'll just start at the beginning of the chapter. You foolish Galatians. I'm reading from the New American Standard here. You, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? or did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? That that question there, have you started in the spirit, and are you now trying to continue or become mature to grow uh, in the flesh? And that's uh, i know he was probably dealing with a specific situation or specific misunderstandings of, of the jews in, in that time but i think that the the problem there it, it, Rod was mentioning this morning diseases egyptian diseases that come on the people of god be for our for our disobedience and uh one of those egyptian diseases in my mind is is this this is it it's it's the disease of starting in the spirit and then, and and actually having a touch, a taste, a feeling, a moving, a stirring, an awakening, a convicting, a condemning, something from the Spirit of God that's really real, that's really Him, that comes from Him, that comes from another world. It's not me feeling myself as I always do. It's, it's, it's my heart feeling Him and feeling how real He is and how true He is and how how good He is and how horrible I am and how and how I need to to get out of his way in my own heart and in my own life. And we start there and that, that brings a lot of people to repentance. And that kind of is, it's kind of why we have this thing called the sinner's prayer. Uh, we shouldn't have made it into like a, a five-minute little thing that you do and then you're done. But there's a reason why people say, oh, yeah, if you're feeling that, you got to do this prayer now. Um, it's in the back of your Bible. You can read it out loud and uh, and you'll be good to go. So there's a reason uh, that, that prayer is in the back of a lot of Bibles, and it's, it's because truth, uh, when you have an encounter with truth, it makes you feel like you have to say you're sorry for living so long without truth, without that spirit. And that, and that happens to so many people, and there's times of awakening and times of stirring, and yet so many people do what Samuel Fothergill said is, and they, or what Paul says here in Galatians 3, he says, have you started in the spirit and have you come to think that you can continue growing without that spirit? And the reason that I think people get away from the spirit, it's not just bad teaching. You know, it's not just, oh, yeah, it's because my past, a lot of people want to blame it on, you know, my pastor never talks about that. Or um, I haven't got any of those really good books that you're talking about. Or there's, there's a lot of excuses, ways that we try to get ourselves off the hook. But I think the real reason that we, um, that we don't stay close to the spirit, if you can hear what I'm going to say here, it's because we don't like where it leads us. Now, that sounds like a, um, a very strange statement, I think, to people who aren't familiar with the leadings and movings of the Spirit of God. But um, another verse I, I wanted to, to point out, because I think it's about, it's a strange, it's a strange verse if you stop and, and think about it. And I think it makes my point. It says, uh, Matthew 4.1, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. We could just, I think, stop and just think about that for a little while. What a strange verse. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And then it talks about the, all the temptations. You know, Jesus never sinned, for sure. He was the perfect Lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice. But Jesus did have to stay very close to the Spirit of God. He became a man and who, who knows exactly how to understand those mysteries of the incarnation and exactly what what that means. But it's clear that he was, he was following the spirit of God and was not, he had some kind of a human will that he was denying. Not my will, Father, but yours be done. The words that you hear me say, they're not mine. They're the Father's. The works, they're not, they're not mine. Oh, my soul is overwhelmed, even to the point of death. But what should I say? Father, save me from this. For this very thing, I came into the world. Glorify your name. And, and it, it's interesting to think of Jesus um, being led into the wilderness by the Spirit of God to be, to be tempted and, and having to stay close, really close to the Spirit. I'm not one of those people who think that Jesus—it was impossible for Jesus to. I, I don't claim to have any great insight or revelation into this, but I, I do. I don't think his temptations were just show. I, I think it says he was tempted in all things like us, but without sin. I, I think he could have chosen his own human will. I don't know what that means exactly but I don't think he was just putting on a show. I think he was showing us that the way out of this place, the way out of the fall, the way out of sin and death and darkness and demonic temptation and evil from the world was by clinging to and, and holding so close to that the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God, when you cling to it, you would think, man, that's going to be great. But just go back and read matthew four one again and 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 I'm not saying it's not great, and I'm not saying it won't lead you to wonderful great things. I think it will lead you to the only wonderful and only truly great things but but the what I'm trying to get at is the, that I think a lot of people don't stay with the spirit, don't cling to the spirit because when it begins when that acorn begins to 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 stir in the heart and begins to put down a few little roots into the soil, they don't like where it seems to be taking them. They don't like what it feels like. And it's so easy at that point. It's so simple to say, this can't be God. This isn't God. Think about Israel going into the, going into the wilderness. How, that's just what they said over and over. This can't be God. This is, what, what, did you bring us out here to kill us? This can't, Moses, you're crazy. This can't, the other, the other thing that we saw, the, the plagues, that could be God. But this hunger thirst seeing the wretchedness of my own heart doing circles in the in the desert not finding the needs of my flesh not he's not providing for me not leading me according to my expectations my desires what that this cannot be the the way and the work of the spirit of god it is it is so important to stay close to the spirit because it is that spirit that's going to to bring us into the to the wilderness and it's going to show us to show us that there's nothing good that can be done apart from God. That's that's what the Lord begins to 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 speak to a heart that's willing to learn. it, it begin the, the spirit of God begins to show you that your own will is your greatest enemy. That, following the will of the flesh, even Jesus following the will of his flesh, turn this stone into bread. I'll just wait for my father. Exalt yourself. I'll just wait for my father. Grumble because you don't have what you think you need, Israel. I'll just, I'll just wait for my father. And see, that's that's what the Spirit of God begins to to teach us, and and when. When we don't stay close to the Spirit, when we don't learn to live in a way where we're, where we're watchful, where we're watching and we're listening and we're being careful not to, not to run ahead like I did into other things. And not just that, not just that to, to grieve the Spirit, to quench the Spirit, to resist the Spirit. See all those, have you ever noticed in the New Testament how many different ways that that is said? how, how easy it is to, to grieve the Spirit, to quench the Spirit, to, to um, resist the Spirit, to make null the grace of God, to resist the grace of God. It's interesting that um, it's a trample underfoot, the, the covenant. To refuse the one who is speaking from heaven to heart. Stacy read those verses yesterday or today. I can't remember. To harden your heart um, today when you hear His voice. To harden your heart. To drift away. Hebrews chapter two. To make shipwreck of faith. I mean, it just it's just everywhere you turn. And I was about to say, it's amazing to me that that one of the most common ideas about grace and about the work of the Spirit in, in the church today. Um, is, is this idea that you can't even resist it. It's irresistible, which um, seems to me to be such an incredibly contrary thing to what Scripture says on every page. Starting in the Garden of Eden, where they clearly, without ever having sinned before, found that they could resist God's grace and resist his spirit. And 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 trying to get back here, steering it a little bit back towards what what um, what I feel like we're trying to do, and all of Jared's um, comments about I could repeat them all, but, but I, he spoke for me, and I think for all of us in saying that we don't pretend to be very far along in this or very great at it. But I think that what we do, or at least I feel like what I, what I do and a lot, of the, a lot of the folks here are trying to do, is learn what it means to stay really close to that spirit of God so that we don't resist his working. Now, now we can't create his working. We can't produce his working. We can't make life. We can't make light. We can't make power. We can't make a new creation or a changed heart. We can't do any of that. But what we can do, and we always very easily do, is resist the one who is seeking to do that in us. And that is so easy to do. In in Acts chapter 7, think think about this for a minute. There's this this big meeting. I don't know how many uh, Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes are there, but there's probably a bunch. I mean, I, I guess it's a couple hundred, 400, 300, I don't know, 500, maybe more. There's a huge group of them there. And... And uh, and Stephen is just re- recounting everything that has been going on for the last hundreds of years in Israel and how they have continually resisted. They've been stiff-necked, uncircumcised, and have resisted the Holy Spirit. And then he ends with this um, with this statement: "You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears." Are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your fathers did. And he goes on to, to explain more of that. Now, if if you think about that meeting, that was a big meeting of people. How many. Now here we have this. We have this recorded in scripture. Though it's the it's the voice of the Spirit speaking through Stephen, and in a, in a minute here he his face shines like that of an angel, and they drag him out and stone him. Right, but so so this isn't just his opinion. I believe he's speaking here by the Spirit of God, saying that what they've done, their history is a history of resisting. You're always. He doesn't say you're sometimes every once in a while you happen to resist no you are always resisting the holy spirit and my question that i started to think about recently when i read this verse is how many of the people in that big meeting were in agreement with that statement like how how were there any of the hundreds of people that were there listening that said you know what that's probably right he's got a point there i do think i resist the spirit what what was their response did anyone believe it? Well, we know Paul didn't. We don't, we don't see anyone actually believing it because it says, when, it, when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and they began gnashing their teeth at him. And they cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears and rushed at him with one impulse, And when they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. And the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul, Paul. We don't, I think, doubt the existence of the Holy Spirit. We don't doubt um, the inspiration of the Spirit in the scriptures. We don't we don't doubt that almost every page of the of, of the Bible talks about the importance of the spirit, the gift of the spirit, the power of the spirit, and the, the need to be changed by the spirit, but so many people seem to find a way to continue their Christianity without the spirit and and nobody would be in agreement with that statement now, just as they they weren't 2,000 years ago when Stephen said it to a bunch of people who lived their entire lives based on what they believed was God's will. And I don't say that as part of the, you know, as, as one who is pointing fingers. I say that as, as one who, with you and with, with us, am waking up and seeing that that's, that that's my story too that I, I didn't stay close to the Spirit. And the only thing that you have to do to resist the Spirit... See, this is where people say, I don't think I'm doing that. I don't think I'm grieving the spirit. I don't think I'm quenching the spirit. I don't think I'm resisting the spirit. But see, Paul says that the the flesh lusts against the spirit or it sets its desire against the spirit. And the spirit sets its desire, lusts against the flesh. And the only thing you have to do to, to resist the spirit of God is to continue living in that nature or in that birth that is always setting its desire against the spirit. That's, that's it. That's the only thing you have to do. You don't have to do two things or 10 things. You don't have to say anything really bad or do anything really bad. I mean, bad in the eyes of man. But you do, all you have to do is keep living in that birth or that life that Jesus said is nothing. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. The flesh profits nothing. The spirit gives life. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and the whole Bible is a is a description of those two births. That's something you know. We we started to see that here, um, as Jared said too yesterday, mixed with other wrong things, uh, and and in my case, I know mixed with a lot of pride and things that um, I have since had the opportunity to repent for. But I began to see, uh, and a a number of us began to see, uh, a number of years ago in that first wave that Jared mentioned of the Lord dealing with our hearts, when there was a measure of sincerity and maybe a measure of humility in us, we began to see that there are two births. And we began to see that there are two, (laughs) two lies, and that one of them is Cain and the other one is Abel. There's two births in man. They're not outside of man, they're in man. There's a birth, there's a first birth and there's a second birth. There's a there's a there's a Cain that always tries to worship God but he never has the right offering. There's a there's an Ishmael that is uh always always there to to mock the birth of the Spirit, the birth of the promise, and needs to be cast out of the house. There's a Esau that wants to inherit the Father's blessing when he's squandered the, the birthright. There's, there's these two births. There's a, there's a Saul that creates a kingdom in man, and uh, it's, it's a kingdom that has to be displaced by another king. And we began to to see all that all, all over the place in, in the Old Testament and the New. I mean, that's what the whole so many scriptures, Paul's continually talking about putting off the old man and putting on the new man or being crucified in that old man, that body of sin or bearing about in the body, the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus can be manifested in our flesh or being conformed to his death, that we can partain, partake of his resurrection or I mean there's so many there's so many um scriptures that just talk about those two births those two those two men and, and we began to see that and we began to see that they are not the same and the Lord needs to bring a a division and a and a to 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 make a just like in the old in the old uh creation in the first creation he has to say let there be light so that there's a division between the heavens and the earth and the dry land and the and the sea and our own heart and I think you know. First, we saw something of that division, and that kind of became what we talked about, and what we, what we shared, and what we, um, what we love to see in Scripture. And I think there was a real dealing of the Lord. But like like, like Jared said very well yesterday, and I will second it. Uh, just seeing that division didn't take away the first and establish the second in our hearts. And then there was a time where we started to see and feel that after all, all those years, we were still living mostly in the flesh. <laughs> we had seen the division between flesh and spirit. We had seen and felt the huge chasm that's between Christ and Adam. We had talked about it and put diagrams on whiteboards for years about it saw it and and I, I thank the lord for the light that let us see it but there was a it was a time um, and again it kind of corresponded went to when the lord began to drop into our lap some of the writings of the early friends where where we began to understand and to see that we were still mostly living, though we had seen something of spirit, we were mostly living in the flesh. In other words, the flesh was still the, the predominant nature, the governing nature in our hearts, the thing that was creating our perspective, our desires, the thing that we were following, the thing that we, that created our plans when we woke up in the morning, the thing that made a day good or bad was whether the outward man, the, 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 the fleshly man was pleased or contented with his portion that day. I'm not talking about we discovered that we were living in gross sin. I, I don't know of any cases that um, where that was the case here. But we did discover that that huge division between Adam and Christ and flesh and spirit had, once again, kind of, by not staying close to our, guide, by not staying real close and watchful and careful with our hearts turned and in a soft, submissive way looking to him, we had somehow again lost sight of of our guide and continued to preach against flesh while we lived in it. We said it was dead to God. We said it was it could not please God. We said it was Cain. We said it was the wrong birth. We said... Um, we said it was a bunch of things that were true those are true statements and yet it wasn't dead in us and and then i think those those of us here began to believe uh that christianity wasn't supposed to be like that that that's maybe like step 3 or so i mean I, I don't want to put this into steps but there was an awakening to see it in ourselves and a, and a, and, a, and a sight of um of that in us. And then there was a kind of a growing realization in our hearts that, that it really is possible for Christianity to be something different than that. It really is possible to live in the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, to grow in the Spirit, to feel the workings of the Spirit, the good the ones that are pleasing and the ones that are taking us into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, to serve in the Spirit, to speak by the Spirit, to teach in the Spirit. We we began to believe that it was possible, and that's when we stopped believing in ourselves, I think, at least started to stop believing in ourselves, because man can do, and I just am proof of this, man can do so much in the name of the Spirit without the Spirit. And that's when we started to wait on the Lord more. It wasn't all at once. It wasn't just like, let's, let's just try this waiting on the Lord thing. It was, a, it was an axe that started striking some of our own hearts and making us feel like maybe we should stop um, talking about things we're not living. Maybe I should stop preaching about things that I've only seen from afar. You know, I've, I've climbed up Mount Pisgah, and I've, uh, I've seen some views of the Promised Land. Maybe I should be quiet until I've walked a few steps in that land and taking some ground. and Those are our motivations for starting to have silent meetings. It wasn't that we just wanted to copy the Quakers. It was because the same fear that was in, I think, the early Quakers started to, to be in our hearts a little bit. The fear of ourselves, the fear of the Lord, but also a fear of ourselves apart from the Lord. That old fear that I've had forever about standing before him with... My hands empty, and 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 that's what we began to see. We started to, and I really want to try to wrap this up, but the we started to see that the light of Christ and this was always the case. This was the case I think when I was 9 years old too. I just didn't understand it. It was the case back uh, 15 18 years ago when we started to see some of these things about Adam and Christ. That that the when the light was shining in our hearts, it was showing us the cross. That's the thing. That's the that's the way. The way is the cross. It's this it's this thing that has to not the historical cross pr- pr- principally. The, the historical cross is wonderful and necessary, and nothing could have happened. No daily cross could ever be taken up if it wasn't for the historical cross of Jesus Christ. He's, he's, and we could talk about that a whole lot because that's the, that's the very overcoming spirit of Christ on the cross that that overcame death and hell and the grave and wickedness, and and that obeyed God unto death and rose in His power. That very spirit is the, is the spirit that brings us to the daily cross and works in us a a, a daily death and gives us the ability to offer ourselves every day as a living sacrifice on his altar and tie down the flesh to the, to the horns of the altar. But. Everything that we were seeing then and everything that we're seeing now, I just I, I have to say, every time the light shines in the heart, it points you to the cross. And it's, it's because the cross is the only way to actually stay close to the spirit. What's the spirit of God doing? I'm telling you what he's doing. He's taking you to the cross. Because if you try to do anything apart from that cross, it's just going to be you doing it. No matter how much you try and how much you learn and how much you fight and how much you whatever, if it's not him, it's you. That's, it, there's not another option. It's kind of like a, just a weird analogy. It's like the, you know, a, 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 a caterpillar picks up a, a book on, um, on butterflies, you know, and it reads, it reads about these things that, that it's supposed to be able to do as a butterfly and, it, and it's supposed to fly. It's supposed to fly to Mexico actually. Every year and hang out in this one big tree and then come back it and and that sounds so amazing to the caterpillar and it's supposed to flutter around and land on leaves and it's supposed to suck nectar and take little bits of pollen from one flower to another and and the and the, and the caterpillars the caterpillar's reading it and it sounds so fun all it's ever done is just like got big and eaten a lot and can't fly at all and doesn't and it's that. And, and it's wondering what in the world, this is, this sounds so wonderful. I should, I should try to start going to Mexico. And, uh, and then it starts going, you know, there it goes. And, and finally in, in its frustration, um, a butterfly flies by and he's like, what's, what's wrong with me? And, and the, and the butterfly says, go to the cocoon. That's your only hope. And and the and the and the uh, caterpillar says that. What's that going to do? Go into this little dark hole, and 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 die. You know, I want to fly. I don't want to. I don't want to go to a cocoon. I want to go to Mexico. I I, I want to transport pollen. I want to to make flowers pretty. I want to suck the sweet nectar out of out of lilies and whatever. And, and all it keeps hearing is, whenever it hears from a, from the voice of the butterfly, so to speak, and I'm this analogy is getting weirder, but <laughs> all it keeps hearing is, go to the cocoon. You gotta go to the cocoon, and then. But when, when you begin to see that nothing happens until the cocoon is in your way, then you understand why Paul said things like, may it never be that I boast except in the cocoon of Jesus Christ. Or, or Paul says in 1 Corinthians, I came to you knowing nothing except for the cocoon of Jesus Christ. That's all I know. That's the the only path that goes somewhere. And if you stay close to the light, if you really cling to the light, if you stay close and don't run away and run ahead like I did so, so many times in so many different ways, that light is always going to point you back to that cross because that's where the metamorphosis takes place. That's where the change takes place. That's where you put off the caterpillar body. That's where you get... Wings. That's where a whole that's where that breeze that I felt from another planet starts to be the life that works in us. And it doesn't start fun, it doesn't start like big winds big w- wings and, and strong winds to Mexico. It doesn't start like that. It starts like and the Spirit of God came upon Jesus and took him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And don't think it's weird. If that's what it feels like. If that's a, a big part of your experience of following the Spirit of God. Because everything that tries to skip that wilderness, where, like Rod was saying this morning, where we see the diseases in ourself, where we find Egypt in ourself, where we find all kinds of births of Egyptian things and Egyptian religion and Egyptian expectations and Egyptian murmuring and all of that. When we find all that in our own... At hearts, you can't skip dying to those things. If you take those things with you into the promised land, you're just going to make a kingdom of self. So don't don't be surprised that by sticking close to the Spirit of God, you, you find him over and over and over again, pointing you back to the cocoon, to the cross of Jesus Christ. And 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 learning that that's our job, in all things, to submit to the Spirit in all things, to stay close to the Spirit, to hug the Spirit, don't run off without it. And that's 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 more or less like how I I don't know maybe maybe I, I think there's a lot of people here that would say that's at least what we're trying to do. I don't think we're great at it. But that's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to be about. We're trying to be as weird as it looks and as weird as it feels and as confusing as it is to be led into the, to the wilderness, to be tempted by the devil, by the Spirit of God. As weird as all that feels and looks, I, I think I can say that what we're, trying, what we're trying to do is to stay close to the guide, to obey his light in all things, to not let ourselves run to the east or to the west or whatever apart from him. And that's, that's what we do. And that's, someone mentioned this kind of yesterday, that's not focusing on self. That's focusing on the only thing that will ever free us from self. the only thing that ever removes self and allows for the works of Christ and the love of Christ and the power of Christ and that's the only thing that makes us a people zealous for good works, real works, not the ones that I was very busily doing for a number of years, but the ones that come out of a living seed, the ones that grow on a living branch, the ones that are the fruit that glorify the Father and remain. I right. definitely went longer than I thought I was going to. <clears throat> but that's more or less what I felt to to say.